Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Welcome to a cold October morning. By the way, uh, if somebody could just talk to God and let him know, where did fall go? Uh, because we went, I think, from summer to winter overnight. Welcome to Tennessee, by the way. Uh, if this is your first time here, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, uh, such an honor to have you guys here. Uh, it really is. If you're a, a regular attender or if this is your first time with us, such an honor to have you here. I want to do a couple shout-outs for those people over in the video theater. Uh, to my left, I just want to say, what's up? And uh, so glad to have you here, as well as our VIPs. If you're a volunteer, if you volunteer at OneChurch.tv, I want to ask you guys to stand up right now. I know, I, I know. Why am I doing that? Because you got to right? come up. You volunteer. Let's give it up for our VIPs here. You guys are amazing. All right, fantastic. So, <clears throat> well, uh, we are on the downhill slide of a series we're calling "This Is Us." where we're talking about our vision, our mission, and our core values here at OneChurch.tv. And uh, we just want you to kind of get to know us better. And again, if this is your first time with us today, such a great series for you to hang out with us because you kind of, this is kind of like speed dating, and you kind of see if you like us or not. Um, so I hope that you do. And today is a specifically fantastic sermon that you're going to hear today because this sermon really does... Uh, tip, uh, exemplify who we are as a church and why we do what we do, especially on Sunday morning. Um, we've been talking about core values, and one of the core values that we have here at OneChurch.tv is that we will we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ, whether that is doing an Easter egg hunt or a trunk or treat or uh, actually just coming in a movie theater and just converting that into a church service. Uh, we want to do things that uh, nobody else is doing because we want to reach people that nobody else is reaching. So I'm um, so glad that you're here. That's one, really kind of what makes us tick. But this second one is really what we're talking about today, and it's simply this. <clears throat> we should not make it what? Difficult for people who are turning to God. That's our big idea today. Uh, we're going to be in Acts 15. That comes straight from that verse. But this really does, if you had to boil onechurch.tv down, this is why we do what we do. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. When we started back in September 9th of 2007, we started in, in this theater, and we wanted to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. We love church people, and you're more than welcome to come and hang out with us uh, if uh, if you're kind of new to the area. Great, but we want to do things specifically so that an unchurched person can show up and understand it, may not believe it all, but I want them leaving thinking, you know what, I didn't quite understand it all, but I understand most of it. I definitely don't believe the way that they do, but you know what, those were some good people. And I would come back next week. The message was helpful. I understood it. And I think it actually is going to help my life. That's what we want people to experience Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We can't cause people to fall in love with Jesus. Our job is just to set up the date. For you guys just to hang out with Jesus Christ. And for us as Christ followers not to be weird, but to be normal. And for you guys to go, you know what? I understand it. And I get it. 
So that's what we started. Back in 2007, the statistic that really did push why we do what we do is 88% of people in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. That's 125,274 people. Nine out of ten people, as you are driving in today, you count houses. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're, they're staying at home today. But you're here. And, and because you're here, we want to do some things. We want to say some things in certain ways so that you can grow in your faith. Our job as a church is we want to change that number. We want to change that 88%. We want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ. And whether that's coming here at one church or coming to any church, we want them to be able to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because here's what we believe. We believe that everybody spends eternity somewhere. And we want to see people spend eternity with God. We want to make it so convenient for people, for people who don't know the songs, don't know the stories, don't know how to say it the way they say it when it comes to praying or whatever, just to be able to show up and go, you know what, I get it. Here's Jesus' mission, Luke 19.10. Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. One of the things I taught on just a few weeks ago was the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And in Luke 15, 4, this is what Jesus says, that he left the 99 other sheep in the wilderness, and he goes and searches for the one that is lost until he finds it. So that's what we did 10 years ago. We had 35 people, a launch team, that a local church pushed us out, and we left the 12 to go after the 88. We wanted to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. So, I believe that the church should be the connection with people in God. You see, I grew up in church. I grew up in church all of my life. And I had a fairly good church experience. But for many of you, especially in the South, the reason why people don't go to church is because they've been to church. And it was maybe a painful experience. And it's probably not a doctrinal issue that maybe many of you bounced out of church on. It was because of a relationship issue. It was because people couldn't get along. People didn't love well. It drives me crazy that people so want to connect with God, but because they've had such a bad church experience, they don't want to go to church. So I, our church, we want to create a different type of church. We want them to rubberneck God. Y'all know what rubberneck is, don't you? Like, how many of y'all, you've seen, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you've seen, like, this wreck on the side of the road, and, you, you know, you, you're driving, and you're like this, right? That's what we want people to take a second look at God in the church. It's the why we do what we do. This is our charge. This is our mission. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, go ahead and turn that on. And we're going to be in Acts 15. We're going to be starting at verse 1. And before I dig into there, let me kind of set the story, if you will. <clears throat> excuse me. What happens in the book of Acts is Jesus, he lived for 33 years. He, his ministry lasted for three and a half years. And then he was crucified, he was buried, he died, and then he was resurrected. That's Easter. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, the book of Acts picks up right when Jesus goes up into heaven. And what happens in the very beginning of the book of Acts is that you see thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ in one day because of Peter's sermon. 3,000 people actually come to know Jesus, and all of them were Jewish. 
He's preaching in Jerusalem, and all of the Jewish people in Jerusalem, they hear the good news about Jesus Christ, and they become Christians. And it was kind of easy for them to do that because they were all Jewish. They knew the Old Testament. They knew all the customs. They knew all the songs. They knew all the mannerisms. Um, The first Christians were all Jewish. They had their own meeting places. They called synagogues. And uh, they all the new Christians are Jewish, so they kind of left with this assumption that in order for people to become Christian, they must first become a Jew first. They must act like a Jew. They should uh, they should believe like a Jew believes. And in Acts chapter two, you see this mega church happen overnight because of Peter's sermon. Three thousand people, and all of the Christians were Jewish. Now, on the other side of the world, Paul. He is telling all of people who are not Jews, we call them Gentiles. And by the way, I'm a Gentile, and probably most of you are Gentile as well. Welcome. I feel like this is an AA commercial, by the way. My name's Chris, and I'm a Gentile. Anyway, <clears throat> my point is, Paul is going out there, and he is teaching all of the Gentiles that, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you will be saved. And you, the Holy Spirit comes upon all these Gentile Christians, and they all get saved. And the, the, the mother church back in Jerusalem hears all of this, and they are getting ticked. Because, no, no, you can't, it can't be that easy. I mean, you can't just show up and believe and expect that to be it. If that was the case, everybody could believe. Everybody could come to know a Christian. But Paul, in his Lone Ranger self, he's kind of out there on the fringes. And back in Jerusalem, everybody's getting angry, so they call Paul, and they're going, hey, what's going on? And they decide, you know what? In order to be a Christian, you must first become a Jew. And they begin to load up on all of these new Christians, Jewish obligations, and suddenly what was supposed to be simple, whoever believes in Jesus becomes very complicated. It becomes difficult. Jesus had not been gone any time at all, and the church is the one making it complicated. So the early church calls a business meeting. How many of y'all ever been a part of a business meeting? That'll change your life, won't it? Oh, Lord. So they had this business meeting, and there is this church discussion. Church discussion is a key word for church fight. That's what we're going to read about today. This is Acts 15.1. Pretty fun, right? Some men came down from Judea to Antioch, and they were teaching the brothers, unless you are, what's that word? (laughs) Welcome to one church. Unless you are circumcised, by the way, and we do have children's environments uh, for all of your children who are in here right now, because it's getting ready to get real. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Exactly right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's do a TV time on this. Imagine, Peter's up here preaching. Okay, let's all, okay. How many of y'all want to give your heart to Jesus? Yes, yes, all right. I'm I'm with you later. Um, And then, okay, that's great. Um, Okay, let's get the surgeons out here. I mean, think about this. (laughs) All of the new members class were all women. None of the guys wanted to join anything like that. It's like, I think I'm going to pass. Uh, I think I'm done with something like this, right? I mean, it's awkward. But let me tell you, these, 
these Jewish people writing this, they were serious as can be. To our Western ears, you're like, really? You got to have surgery? Like scalpel, forceps? I mean, seriously? <laughs> that was good. Uh, I'm going to get an email about that one. Anyway, my point is, right? I mean, it's crazy. You, They're like, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, then you must first have surgery. That's nuts. And they're telling all Paul, listen, you need to go back and tell those Gentiles, yeah, it's great to believe, but, okay, scalpel, charge to 300, clear. I mean, seriously, it's nuts. So, verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute with them. What Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to say is you're, getting, you're making it complicated. You're making it difficult. So, Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them. So Paul and Barnabas show up, and here's what they tell. We have been telling people about Jesus Christ, all of these Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and they have gotten saved without a scalpel. Right? They, I mean, they actually, God accepted them just the way that they are without surgery. Crazy. Verse 5. Then some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. Now let me just take a time out here. The Pharisees, they are the religious people that killed Jesus. These were the, the religious people that went head to head with Jesus, and eventually they said, he's got to die. So now, Jesus died, he was buried, he was resurrected, he shows back up, and like some of the Pharisees are going, uh, maybe we did the wrong thing, I'm going to follow the dude who came back to life again. So a lot of the Pharisees are coming to know Jesus. That's pretty cool. So, here's what the Pharisees are saying. The Gentiles, by the way, that's most of us, they must be circumcised. they got to have surgery and. So they're adding something to surgery. My gosh! I mean, you have to have surgery and you must be required to obey the law of Moses. Now, what the law of Moses is, it is the Ten Commandments, but the law of Moses is actually the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And not only did you have to follow all of those five books, but you had to memorize them. So the, 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 the Pharisees are going, listen, you can't make it easy. They have to have surgery and something else. In other words, you have to be Jewish in order to become a Christian. In other words, it's not simple. It's complicated. We have to make it difficult. they got to be willing to pay the price. We need our pound of flesh. Sorry. Anyway, Jesus had not finished saying hello and everybody in heaven yet, and here you have the church making it difficult for people who are turning to God. It's the church. And guess what? That was 2,000 years ago. Not much has changed, unfortunately. It's kind of like this ladder here. You see, this ladder, it's a great ladder, but there's some things missing here. A lot of churches are a lot, are a lot like this ladder. 
I mean, you have the, a first-time guest or somebody who doesn't know anything about God, Jesus, or the Bible, and they show up to the church and they go, you know what? I'd like to get to know God. I'd like to get closer to where you guys are at. But you know what? I, I just I can't say your prayers the way you say them. And, and I don't. I can't read the Bible the way you read the Bible. And I don't, I still have questions. I got doubts and stuff. And I mean, and you're saying I got to dress a certain way to come to church and I got to act a certain way. And if I start to believe the way that you believe, and if I start to behave the way you behave, then I can belong to you. I just, there's, it's, 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 it's too big of a, it's too, too big of a leap. I just can't get there. Is there any smaller steps? If there isn't, then I guess I'm just going to have to figure out this whole God thing on my own. I, I want to connect with God, but the church is just too hard. I got to know certain things, and I got to assume certain things. And they, they talk with all of these. You know, turn to the Book of Ephesians. Well, I got a book of the. I got the Bible. I thought it was a book. Where's the Book of Ephesians at? And the pastor gets up and starts talking about propitiation and redemption and. And justification. And he keeps seeing the word gospel, 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 gospel. I, I, what, is it, what does even the gospel mean? And I, I wish I could get there, but I just I can't. This is what most churches are like. We try to make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Now, I don't think that's our intention. But man, I remember growing up and going into church... And wearing jeans and somebody saying, you can't come in. Because that's not appropriate attire. By the way, if you have your Bibles here, turn to First Opinions because that's where that's found. <laughs> Let me tell you what First Samuel 16, 7 says. The man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He doesn't care what you wear. He doesn't care how you say it. I, I remember my friend Justin in the front row. We were talking a while back about a church. I mean, unless you read from the King James Bible, you, that's not God's word. I got a Greek word for that. Bunk. Okay? By the way, the, the King James Bible, written in 1610, the same year that Shakespeare wrote Macbeth. How many of y'all understand what Macbeth is about? One person, all right? Y'all go see Tiffany McVeigh after the service, and she will explain to you what the King James Version means. For the rest of us, give me something I can understand, right? You see, we make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Verse 7, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel, good news, and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving him whom? The Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. This isn't about Jew or Gentile anymore, good or bad anymore, or pure or impure anymore. For he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to, what does it say? Test God. It'll catch up here in a sec. Wait for it. 
Okay, maybe it won't catch up. Anyway, it says this. Um, now then, why do you try to test God, which means you're working against God, by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Peter says this. If you make it difficult for unchurched people to become part of the church, if you make it difficult for people, for unsaved people, to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you make it difficult for people who are trying to turn to God, and you're removing the rungs of the ladder, then you are testing God, which means you are working against God. And let me tell you, when you work against God, who's going to win? Not us. God will always win. Well, what is God doing? Well, God says, hey, Jesus, tell them, what are you doing? Well, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. And the people of the church, the Pharisees are like, well, we're trying to keep the, we're trying to protect what's ours. We're trying to keep the carpet clean. Right? We're trying to keep the walls from getting not scuffed up. Because dadgummit, when those whippersnappers youth come in on Wednesday, right? And uh, y'all been to those churches? I have. And we're trying, to, we're trying to keep people away and we're trying to put barriers because if we make it easy that everybody will be able to be just like us. And everybody will be a part of the club. And Jesus says, I didn't come to die for a club. I came and I died for people. Everyone. So Peter looks at the Jewish leaders. He says, you really want to put this heavy yoke upon them that you and I can't even do ourselves? Peter is telling, listen, Fred... Talking to you in the... Yeah, you back there, Fred. Listen, have you been able to keep the law perfectly, Fred? No. I haven't been able to keep the law perfectly. Okay. Hey, uh, uh, Justin, you remember that time when your son, when he stole the keys to your chariot, and he kind of ran the red light and, like, hit that woman, and, you know, the law says we were supposed to stone him, right? And he really had a bad attitude. We should have stoned him twice because I think he was stoned, right? You remember that? And uh, and uh, we didn't. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Justin goes, yeah, yeah, I, I totally remember that. You see, we can't keep the law ourselves. We would have to be professional law keepers. So if we can't keep it, why are we going to try to make somebody else keep all of these laws? We can't do it ourselves. You're, I mean, the law's a pain in the neck. Only one person has ever been able to keep the law perfectly. His name is Jesus. By the way, Pharisees, you killed him. Put that in your book, right? So, this he goes on. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Everybody say grace. Grace is undeserved favor. You don't do anything to get it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, that we can't boast about it. We received salvation through grace. We don't do anything about it. And then he, Peter finishes his speech. And then James gets up, the stepbrother of Jesus. Now, some of you, let me explain that. Jesus... He, Mary was his mom. We call it the virgin birth, right? He didn't have, his dad was God. Don't ask me how it works. I just believe it, right? So, 
Uh, Mary, who's never known a man, she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, nine months later, he comes out, and he is the Son of God. His, his father is God the Father. His mom is Mary. Mary is married to Joseph. And after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph, uh, they start having more babies. Just regular children whose dad is Joseph. And here you have Jesus, who is the older brother, and he has all these brothers and sisters. And one of them is James. Here's what's so cool about James. Can you imagine Jesus as your older brother? Think about that. He never sinned. He never tells a lie. He's always perfect. Some of you are like, I think I have an older brother like that who thinks he's like that anyway, right? I mean, what would your older brother have to do in order to prove to you that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, James, all while Jesus is living, James doesn't believe in Jesus. But once Jesus is crucified, he's buried, and then he's resurrected, and 40 days later, during those 40 days, he meets with his brother James. And that's when James starts to believe that Jesus really is God. James gets up, and here's what James says. And what he says is what hangs over my, my desk at my office. It's hung there for the past 10 years. Because this verse really is one of our core values of our church. It simply says this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it what? Difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Our big idea. We should not... Make it difficult for people turning to God. We should not make it difficult. We should not assume that they know it all. We should not assume that they know how to say it the way we say We should not assume that they know where to find it in the Bible. We put it up on the screen. We should not assume that they even have a Bible. We're going to give a Bible to them. We should make it so easy and so accessible to everyone. This is what Jesus said. Listen, anybody can get on board with this. Anybody, even a woman caught in the very act of adultery can get on board with this. We should put all of the rungs in the ladder so that anyone can get there. We should make it so easy and accessible that somebody like Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and who was a cheat, could actually come to know Jesus Christ. We can make it so easy and accessible that a guy like Matthew, who everybody hated, who was a traitor, he could actually write a book of the Bible. And we're going to call it Matthew. That Matthew can get on board. We're going to put all of the rungs in the ladder so that everyone and anyone can come and understand and hear that God loves them. That they can take a next step and they can get closer to Jesus Christ. And my commitment to you as your pastor, I've done this over the past decade, and we're always having to make these short, small, uh, sometimes fairly big redirects because we're like, you know what? We're drifting. We're not about keeping people. We are about reaching people. Over the past 10 years, I'm telling you, I have, I have seen godly men and women. I've seen some of my best friends come through these doors. And after a while, we're like, well, you know, oh, it's not about us. We want to make it about us. And my child, I mean, I, do you know I tithe here? And do you know that the music's too loud? 
And do you know, man, and, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You never met people like that? I have said goodbye to friends because we are not deviating one iota. We are keeping all of the rungs in the ladder so that when you come, you're like, okay, I get it. I understand it. And maybe even one day I might even believe it. That's what I believe. And that's what James and Peter and Paul, the very first argument in the early church was over this. We can't make it easy and obvious and accessible for everyone. So we're going to do this in such a way so that everyone can come to know him. And this is how it ends. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch. And then when they gathered the church together, they delivered the letter. And what did the letter said? All you got to know is believe. All you got to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. The people read it, and they were glad for its encouraging message. Because men don't have to have surgery. And all the men said, Amen. Right? Because nobody wants that. I mean, can you imagine? I can't even imagine this. You don't. You come down front. Y'all done the, with the altar calls at churches? They come down front, and the old guy with the clipboard comes out. Okay, what's your name? Cool, okay. Uh, and uh, when was your date of circumcision? What? This is not for me, right? No, no, no. We're going to make it easy. We're going to make it obvious. We're going to make it accessible. That's what we're about. And some of you are like, well, it can't be that easy. It is. And some of you, maybe you come from a legalistic background, but what about repentance? What about baptism? What about doing what? Okay, listen, all that is important. None of that is required for salvation. What is required for salvation? Let me show it to you. Throw it up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Whoever, excuse me, what does it say? Whoever believes, that's it. You see, that is your response. If you're here today, all you have to do is believe. And you can even believe and still have doubts. You can even believe and still have some questions unanswered. But God loves and God gives. We believe. And when we believe, we receive eternal life. It's that simple. You know what happens? The early church said, okay, we're going to keep it simple. And they kept it simple for about five years, 10 years, 30 years. And then 100 years later, they start making it difficult. 500 years later, the, the Catholic church says, no, no, no. We're not going to be able to put this in it where a language where the Bible can, everybody can hear. We're only going to have it in Latin. And if you don't, if you don't read or understand Latin, then you're not going to know God's word. So you would come to church, and the priest would speak in Latin, and you're like, well, I don't speak Latin. We don't care. And then, back in 1095, the Pope said, you know what? Let's don't win people for Jesus. Let's kill them in the name of Jesus. And we're going to call it the crusade. And we're going to slaughter thousands of Jews and thousands of Muslims all along the way, all to the glory of God. And then, in 1490s, the Spanish Inquisition comes, 
And let's purify the church. Let's burn people who don't believe the way we believe. Let's get angry at Christians who actually uh, celebrate Halloween. Let's get... I mean, think about this. William Tyndale, he was, he was killed for wanting to put the Bible in the language so that everybody could read it. And then the Pope, a hundred years later, dug up his bones and burned his bones. That's anger problem right there, right? I'm telling you, the church, if we're not careful, we make it difficult for people who are turning to God. And if we do that, we're actually coming against God. We're actually testing God. So, let me talk to you Christians here for a minute. You're here, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want you to spend time and think about this. What is your next step here at OneChurch.tv? What is your next step? You know, one of the things that we do is we want to create next steps for people who are coming to know Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christ follower, your next step for some of you, you just need, you need to get baptized. Well, I got baptized as a baby. That's great. You need to get baptized. You see, what baptism is, it's basically telling everybody that you love Jesus Christ. And some of you, you need to do that today. You need to take that next step. If you're a Christ follower, some of you, here's your thing. You've been complaining that the sermons aren't deep. I hear it. Let me tell you. <laughs> I got six minutes. Every time, I, I'm, I'm reading my Bible this morning on version. Some of you, the reason why you don't get anything out of the sermon is because you don't read your Bible Monday through Saturday and you expect to come here and for me to vomit Scripture all over you and to fill you up. And I can't do that. Let me tell you, no preacher can do that. You have to read the Bible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then you will grow. But if you're not doing that, I don't really want to hear, you need to go deeper, preacher. No, you need to get deeper into God's Word. Alright? So, jump back from that, Jack. Alright? Just saying. For some of you, your next step if you're a Christ follower, you just need to start serving. I mean, one of the things that the one-up kids are learning today, Mark 10.45, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, Jesus, he's the Son of God, and he served other people. When you choose, bless you, not to serve other people, what you're saying is that you're greater than the Son of God. Anybody want to say that this morning? If you do that, I want to get a little bit farther away from you because the lightning may come. Just saying. You see, some of you, you're not growing because you're not serving. So again, get up off the seat. It's, life's no fun on the bench. Get up and start serving. It's not about you, Christian. It's about Jesus. Now, some of you, you're not a Christian here today. You don't have a relationship with God. You have a lot of questions. I want to let you know that's okay. I have been a Christian for years, and I still have questions. Don't think that just because you still have questions that you can't begin a relationship with God. You can. The only thing it takes to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ is for you to put your faith and belief in Jesus. For some of you, you need to do that today. You just need to say, God, 
I still have questions. I still, I still have issues. I still have things that aren't kind of messed up in my head about how, why this happened and did, was there a real flood and oh, okay, okay. what do you do with Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. I'm getting ready to pray. And I'm going to invite those people who haven't just done that first step. Coming to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to do that. Before I do that, if this is your first time, and you're here and you're like, I don't, you know, I'm glad I came, I guess, but I want to be a part of a church that's on mission with God's mission. You ain't got anywhere else to look. What we're all about is connecting lost people to Jesus. If you want to be a part about that, you're home. If you don't, keep on looking. Because what we're about is what Jesus is about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray for those people here today who just feel like they're just swimming and they're just lost. They're just, they feel like they're getting ready to go under. They have addictions, they have problems, they have sin, they got all of this junk in their life. And they feel so far away from you, God. Lord, your son Jesus said it this way. Whoever seeks, all he has to do is knock, and the door will be open. So we're here this morning, God, seeking and knocking. We're praying to you, God. And Lord, even though many of us still have doubts, we still have questions. Lord, today, what we're saying is that I believe in you. I trust you. I've been trying to be good for a long time and I'm never going to be good enough. God, you are perfect. And Lord, you want to give that goodness and perfection to me, to us. And I pray that today, Lord, I ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all of my sins. And Lord, I want to begin that relationship with you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to be out by the Next Steps table. I'd love to be able to chat with you. We want to be able to help you take your next step. Because you praying that prayer, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. We want to give a free Bible to you. We want to show you where you want to start reading in that. For some of you, this week, you need to download the Bible app and you need to start reading. My boy Kyle Burney here, I'm reading this morning. He's, he is a reading the Bible fool. I'm sitting there and I'm going through you version, and he is all over that. Guys, read God's word. Talk to him. Get into a community group where you're encouraged. Know that you're not alone. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hope to see you tonight at the trunk or treat. Guys, go be the church.